because, you know, one of my favorite scriptures says, I'll be a father to the fatherless. You know, what that tells me is that I don't ever have to worry about not being good enough or not loved or any of the things of that that I'm loved. I'll get there, I promise. <laughs> so this morning, if you don't have a father, if you don't have a good relationship with your father, all these different things, all that to be said that you do have a father and he's in heaven and he loves you more than anything. All right, that's all I'm saying about fathers. <laughs> and I didn't even want to come up here and start all that. It was just the way the service was flowing. It just kind of hit, hit me and there we go. So announcements. Intercessory prayer at 940 uh, in the back. Y'all come join, be a part of that. You know, we pray for this service, pray for our nation, pray for individual needs and the congregation as a whole. VBS 14th, 21st, and 28th, so y'all come be a part of that from 6 to 8. Speaking of that, Mark, what are you doing over there? You're supposed to be behind the... <laughs> I was thinking that earlier we, last Wednesday before we was getting ready to go, me and Mark said, you know what would be cool? You know, you start out servers hiding in the bus back here. Then when it gets time for him to come up, that little thing flip open and... <laughs> but this Wednesday from 6 to 8 y'all come be a part of that June 25th is still the fun day where we bash the Baptist <laughs> going to play wiffle ball against them seed you going to be here alright we got a college ball player to play wiffle ball with us so I think we got them That's right. <laughs> All right, so devotion this morning. I'm going to talk about the armor of God again. You know, I sat down for devotion. This keeps coming back, and I promise I'm not intentionally beating a dead horse, but Scripture tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And if the same thing keeps coming up, it's for a reason. And if it's nothing else, it's for me, then y'all pray that I'll get this in me so we can move on. But regardless of all that, you know, any word still a good word, but the the uh, shield of faith is where we're going to kind of emphasize and expand on, because I know I talked about that last time, but we're going to kind of breeze through the first part and then get to that, because I want to expand on that this morning. But that's found in Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in his power and in the power of his might. So briefly, you know, I've said it before, but I want to get it re, re go over it because we need to get that inside of us. Because the more that we can understand this, the stronger that we're going to become and more impactful that we can be. It's because we have to be strong in the Lord and his power. Because without him, we are nothing. And on our own works and merits... We can never be successful against the attacks of the enemy. If you're looking to do it on your own power and your own will, I got this mentality, you will not succeed against the attacks of the enemy from uh, from Satan and his, because that we have no power. You know, we only have the power of the 
Holy Spirit inside of us, working through us, and it's where we draw that power to, to fight from the victory that we already have. But we have to re- rely on Him. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And by applying verse 10, we're able to stand successfully against the attacks and schemes of the enemy is what I was saying. You know, you've got to have that before you can do one or other, right? So those attacks and the schemes of the devil, you know, that a lot of times that don't come in physical attack because he's not a physical being, but it affects us physically, you know. But it all starts as a, a mental attack. Almost everything that comes is going to start right here because what this is controlled and what this is focused on and whatever's going on in here is going to work through here, and that's going to be the result of your physical. Does that make sense? So it all starts in your brain. That's why Scripture tells us to guard our thoughts, to take every thought into captivity, all these different things. But the main way Satan likes to come against us is the mind. The mind controls everything else, and if he can get us doubting or questioning then he can gain an upper hand against us, right? You know, if we ain't doubting and we questioning God and we're full and we're standing and we're firm, Satan don't stand a prayer against us. He don't stand a chance against us. But when we start doubting and questioning, we start losing that power. And that was the first tactic that he used in the garden, right? Was the very first tactic that he used in the garden was God really didn't say, you know, this, you know, did he? You know, he wants to throw that little bit of doubt. And guess what? He's still using that same tactic, very effective today. And we've known through all these years that that's how he's coming. And yet he, we still let him have have that. Uh, John 10.10. 10. thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. But what does this next part say? I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And this is Jesus speaking. I like to look at that verse like this. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. So Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I flip it and say, but, but Jesus comes to heal, fill, and restore. Right the opposite of that. So I always keep that in mind. And one part... I want to look at is Luke chapter 11, verses 21 through 22. All right, so I'm going to lead out with this premise that I'm not trying to add to or take away from the Word of God. I'm not trying to take, teach, preach to you something out of context, but we can use other verses to apply it different ways, right? All right so what this verse is saying, you know, uh, it's said that when Jesus was speaking this, he was talking about Satan being the first part of this and him being the second part of this. But I want to apply it to our lives because we can use that same thought and mentality and stuff to, to apply it to us with that, what we just read with uh, over in John. But it says, when a strong man... Fully armed guards his own place. His goods are in peace. All right, so think about that with us. I know this is kind of out of context, but I want to apply this same thought and logic to us. Does that make sense? Because when we're the strong man, we're fully clothed in the armor of God and all these different things that we have, we're considered the strong man and our, our uh, goods are in peace. 
And we're going to expand on peace in a minute as well as we get on into the armor. But when you have all these different things, we're not worried about the enemy coming in because we're fully guarded, we're fully clothed in that armor, we're fully standing on the promises of God, all these different things, then our goods are in peace, right? But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. All right? So again, apply this with the other verse that we just read. What does Satan come to do? Steal, kill, and destroy. Uh so when we're not doing the standing on that, we doubt and we're questioning and we're doing all these things that we talked about earlier. And when we start doing those, because Satan is not stronger than us, right? Stronger is he, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So God is inside of us. He, we can't lose to Satan. But when we start doubting and questioning all these other things, that opens the door and allows Satan to come in there and start stealing those different things, right? So it's only then when he, we leave that door open, then he's able to come in and take pieces of our armor from us you know he he'll distract us with something over here so that he can slide this piece away from us and uh, if you envision a roman uh, soldier back in the days you know when i read the armor of god that's what i envision is all of that and well you know he's not very effective if you took half of his equipment would he? he would not be near as effective on the battlefield um so when he comes to steal kill and destroy you can't kill or destroy, yet you first steal, right? So the enemy's going to come in, he's going to steal your joy, he's going to steal your peace, he's going to steal all these different things, and that's the only way that he can start to chip away at you and uh, start destroying things around you, is first he has to steal that peace, and we can only steal that if we allow him to have it. You know, I've heard that say a lot, that only the power that the enemy has is what we give him, or what we don't stand upon or against. All right, so back over to Ephesians. Goodness. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. You know, that carries the thought of, you know, I've heard a lot of people say it, and I've even thought it myself. You know, sometimes when I would read that scripture and think that means it's like, man, after you've done all that you know what to do and you fought and you've given exhaustion, you know, at least then just try to stand on God. You know, you've done all you know to do, just stand. Well, it actually carries the thought of always standing on guard, ready to battle. Even in victory to remain watchful, standing firm, prepared to re- fight the next battle. So it's not, I've done all I can do, let me just stand here and hope God shows up. He's No, he said, you're going to stand there firm in my word with my armor on, beat the enemy down, and then stand ready for the next one that's coming. So stand and keep standing. Going to verse 14, he says, Stand therefore, having girding your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So in the Roman soldier, the belt fastened down and held all the other pieces together the breastplate and the had the sheath and all those things so it all starts with the 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 belt uh and if you don't have truth you have nothing right the world is always asking what is truth you know you get online and get on blogs of debates christianity and all these different things you'll see that question a lot you know what is truth? truth is this and they always you know uh we have the answer to that John four sixteen, Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. Verse 15. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. 
right? So knowing the truth, we want peace. And we have the gospel of peace. How do we have that? By knowing the truth that we just talked about in the previous verse. Knowing our identity and who we are in Christ. That is how you have peace. You can't have peace if you're questioning everything and don't even know where you stand with God. That's not going to have your peace. It's going to be a constant turmoil in your mind. Knowing that our name is written in the Lamb's book of life, that's what brings us peace. Like all this other stuff don't matter. All the, you know, Scripture even says that, you know, like all these other things is irrelevant. What matters is, like it don't matter about the signs and wonders and all these different things. What matters is your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Knowing that Jesus is our Lord and Savior and that He's gone to prepare a place for us and that He's coming back again for us soon. That's peace. And then when we leave this earth, we're going to be in His arms for eternity. That is peace. Fear, anxiousness, anxiety, depression, and all these things is just an attack from the enemy to try to rob us of the peace that Jesus has for us. So any of that stuff is nothing but an attack from the devil and it's garbage. It robs and steals us, which goes back to all the previous things that I said. When we start doing that, we start questioning it, doubting, we become weaker. It puts a hole in our armor. It puts a kink in our armor. Then it just allows for the attacks to come when we should not have those. Verse 16, here's what I want to expand on. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you were able to be quenched all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You know, above all, he said, this is above all because our faith is the true foundation to everything, right? You know, it's by faith. It's by grace through faith in which we're saved. So without faith, we have nothing. You know, grace is there for everybody. But faith is what activates our line of salvation. You know, I've heard it put out as grace is like, Common grace and that type of thing is out there for everybody, right? It's by God's grace that we're all still even breathing, having a chance. The ones that are lost even have a chance to hear the gospel is by the grace of God letting them live because if it was, you know, without that, you know, as soon as we've done something, boom, you're done. But grace allows all of us to be here. God's calling us through grace, drawing us to us by grace. But it's up to us. And when we activate that faith, that's answering the phone call. Amen. So our faith is what will make us victorious in defending against the attacks of the enemy. Right? So if you don't have faith and you're not strong in your faith and you don't waver in your faith and all these different things, when the enemy comes, you're not worried about him because you're standing strong in faith, right? You're dependent on the Word of God and you know and you're, you've got in your spirit that, you know, God's Word is what it says and He's going to do and exactly what He says in His Word. And that gives us the peace to be able to stand in faith. So not only is a shield a good defensive weapon, you know, when we think of a shield, you just think of a defensive weapon, right? You know, to quench the fiery darts, the attacks, the, all these different things. But, you know, it's also a good offensive weapon as well. You know, even if uh, back in the gladiator days, you know, I wouldn't ever to see it, but I watch movies. And I, I think all the time, like, man, if I was a gladiator, you know. So, like, even if you got your sword knocked out from you and all you had was a shield, like, you can still, when your life's on the line, you're going to use that shield as something more than just sit back and take it, ain't you? What we have something, what a, if any gamer's in the house, you go with a shield bash is. You know, there's a lot of video games where you only have a shield and you do this charge and hit like that. It's called a shield bash. So, so not only is a shield used for defense, but it's also used uh, for an offensive weapon as well. 
So those Lincoln Shields is what I want to talk about. You know, if you, you how many of you watched old movies like that where you know the archers are coming in, they're firing those fiery darts and different things like that. What would the Romans do? They would interlock shields like if they had ground troops coming at them. They'd all interlock in a row, kind of like what was that old game back in the day in school, Red Rover or whatever, where you link arms. And it's the same concept of that. You know, when the enemies charge at them, you're a whole lot stronger with two than you are with one, right? which goes into discipleship and all these different things and fell not to assemble together with each other because we're stronger as a whole than we are individually. So that's what, I, that's what I'm wanting to expand on this morning, the Lincoln Shields, you know, having that somebody that you can depend on or you're mentoring or whatever that you can call on in times of need because there's going to be times where you're lacking certain things and that other person's there to pick up your slack, that type mentality to where if you're going in combat, if you got two... Now you can stand back to back, and now you watch from you're protected from all angles. And then even when they would start firing, you know, if they didn't charge at them, they would fire, rain down arrows from above. So then what would they do? They would just make like this bubble. They would all interlock, and it was this huge bubble of nothing but shield going around them. That's what I want us to think of us as a whole, as a body of Christ. That when we come together here, we're all interlinking our shields in that bubble that we're showing up protecting each other. And like I said, two is better than one, and then 30 is a whole lot better than two, right? So I want to end with this verse here, Matthew chapter 18. And 19, we're going to start at 19. It says, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Right? And I believe we fit that mark. So that tells us, you know, verse 20 is saying, you know, that collectively when we come together and praise God, he's in the midst of us. And I know the Father's in the room this morning because you can tell by the Spirit, you can feel him all over the room and uh, those type things. And he's saying, you know, we're two together and all them we gather together in, in agreement and all these different things. There's a whole kind of power and lives can be changed by that. Like even if I'm struggling in something and I've got that other person with me, and I may not even be able to believe what I'm trying to believe, but I know God's Word says that it's achievable, then maybe your faith can be the one to link with mine and kick it into overgear, right? right. So that's why we need to do that. I want us to leave us with that thought this morning. To uh, uh, We all stand on our faith and our shield of faith. Look to somebody over this coming up week to link shields with so that we can be stronger as a whole. Amen. 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 Good word this morning. Good time in worship already. Thank you, Hallie, for singing that song. She asked me last week, a week before, what I wanted her to sing. And so that song's been on my heart. And she always, she does a good job of whatever she sings. So that one, though, yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, happy again, I know y'all have heard it a couple times, but I'll say it again. Happy Father's Day. Um, all you dads, stand up real quick. Y'all just stand up. Y'all stand up. Your dad, stepdad, whatever, stand up. Bentley and Hunter, y'all want to go back here for just a minute? Clay, you might need to help them. We want, no, go back there with Bradley right now, okay? We've got a little devotional we want to give you men this morning, you fathers, you dads. Um, a little 30-day devotional, being about set free. Read it. I challenge you to read it. 
Take it. I mean, I've read them. They're, they're not long at all. It'll take you a couple minutes to read. But read those and let it minister to you during the day. Give the dads a hand clap. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> we just appreciate them. And, you know, for all they do, like J.J. said earlier, like Daddy said earlier, we are, and we're going to talk about it more, how we're supposed to be the spiritual leaders of our home. We're supposed to do the things and be the men of God that God's called us to be. And, and you know, we, we use excuses, men do a lot of times, not to do those things. But, uh, you know, I believe we're going to get strong in the Lord and a lot of good men here. And so we just thank y'all. Thank y'all so much. Appreciate y'all. Y'all can be seated. If y'all got a book, you can be seated. Take those and read them. I hope I'll, you know, there's a lot of them here that got to join us for our men's breakfast. And we had a good time with that last Saturday. Um, and so I just, just thank everybody for, for, for that. And thank you for the godly men that are here. All right. Thank y'all. It's, it's a blessing to have the men that we do in this church and the dads and the fathers. That, and they're, they're willing to step up and do and, and be vocal about who God is in their life. And, and they, they strive to live that every day. Thank you all for that. Um, I do want to thank everybody for helping with Vacation Bible School this past week. Um, we had 16 to 20 children here from ages, what, 4 to 12. And, and so, you know, that's a good start. We believe in this Wednesday for more. So if you, if you know children and didn't get to come last week, um, bring them at 6 o'clock Wednesday night. We, this, this past week we um, learned about uh, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day, you know, and we read over the story of, uh, of Moses and the children of Israel in, in, in Egypt or wandering around the wilderness about how God provided for them each day what they needed and they were to use each day. And so we got to learn that. My brother-in-law, he's, Josh is not here this morning, but he built that by hand. So if y'all see him next week or Wednesday, tell him thank you. Done a great job with it. And uh, he's proud of this right here. We'll get this on camera. This is what J.J. was talking about. He, uh, he made, there we go, looky there. Ain't that something. <laughs> so this is the whole food truck feel. So he done a good job with that. He, he would be here. He is at his, uh, Jennifer's sister is getting baptized today. And so we, they're there to see that. So that's a, a great accomplishment in her life. We, uh, you know, prayed for her for different things. And she struggled with things in her life. But she gave her life to Christ. And uh, she's getting baptized today. But it's good to have Thomas Stover, T.A., with us this morning. Yeah. We all remember last week they rushed out of here. We didn't know what was going on exactly, but we prayed. And, and he ended up getting a pacemaker put in, and that's helped him a lot. And God's worked and worked through the doctors, and he's at home mending and here this morning. So it's, it's great to see you this morning, brother. It is. Um, but, well, any other announcements this morning that I missed? All right. Well, let's receive our offering. Amen. Amen. Um, for those, most of you probably know Ginger did have her neck surgery uh, last Thursday and is doing well, right, Ronald? She's at home on the men. Um, I got a tech. Do what? That's right. Yep. And, and so we'll continue to pray for her, continue to pray for Thomas, for his um, recovery, that those things go well and quickly. Um, and so... A woman that was here a couple weeks ago, Lisa, that she lives over by Hayden in in some apartments over here by the school, um, he was telling me this morning that she's having issues standing 
you know, being stable. So she's fell and broke her. She's got some broke ribs, right, Hayden? And and so we he asked prayer for her this morning. Her name is Lisa. Um, but um, we want to remember her in prayer as we as we go forward this morning. Anything else? Well, all right. Well, let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you again. Thank you for being our good Father. Thank you for being our example who can look to, that we need to strive, that, that we know that we can, we can love unconditionally as men. We can show things. We can, we can embrace life and we can embrace what you've given us and we can embrace the calling in our life that you've given us each and every day to be the men of God you've called us to be. Thank you again for all these men, all these dads here. God, you just touch them today. Give them a special blessing on their life. Father, as they go in and out and live the, and live the life and provide for their family, God, that they can look to you for strength and, and guidance and, and courage in their life to live who you've called them to be. And we thank you for that, Father. Thank you, God, for, for what you've already done in this service, for the Spirit moving as we prayed. And Holy Spirit, we just ask you continue to move on hearts and lives this morning. Father, that they, you touch Father, that you bring, God, whatever come to light. And, and, Father, we'll just leave those things here at the foot of the cross as you've told us to. God, we'll, we'll want repentance in our life and different things to leave and not, not be bothered and let those things drag us down each and every day. We thank you for that. God, we lift up Ginger to you right now and you continue to touch her and heal her. In this time of recovery, thank the same with Thomas, Father. You touch him. God, continue just a quick, speedy recovery. Thank you for what you've already done in both of their lives. And God, we pray for Lisa right now that you touch her. God, that you um, be with her with this balance issue that you she's mending and healing well from these areas that she's already hurt. God, we just thank you, God, for healing in her life. Father, we just we lift up this time of tithes and offerings to you, God, obedience to your word. And what your word tells us, Father, that we're just going to be obedient to it and, and give, Father, knowing that we're giving not out of necessity, but with a joyful heart as you've told us to, God. We just love you and we praise you for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 In honor of Father's Day, y'all, I'm expecting some laughs, okay? Can I, can I, give, a, can I give a couple of dad jokes? Because I'm a dad. And so, can I do that? I know when my dad used to stand up here and, and give a joke, I would tell people, don't laugh, it makes it worse. Don't encourage bad behavior. So here I am doing the same thing. That's right. So, here's a couple. What's the difference between Jesus and pizza? Nobody? Jesus can't be topped. <laughs> Nothing? All right. What kind of car do eggs drive? Nobody. A Yolks wagon. Come on. Y'all see, I don't know any of these. Are these that bad? I got this one yesterday from JJ, so I had to put it in my notes. Where do dad keeps her jokes? Where do dads keep their jokes? In a database. Come on. Last one for right now. Then we'll move on. There might be a couple more sprinkled in there. Bigfoot is sometimes confused with Sasquatch. Y'all know Bigfoot and Sasquatch is. 
yet he never complains. All right. Got a little laughs. A little laughs. That's, that's what dad jokes normally do is bring a little bit of laughter, right? A little bit of laughter. I was, I was not going to put this one in there because you women shouldn't feel this way. But Gabby liked it. Of course she did. I told her to embrace her mistakes and sister gave me a hug. I do not want to see any women hugging their husbands this morning. Anyway, all right, children can go to children's church. Amen. It's all right to laugh in church, even if it's just a little laugh. It's all right. Laughter is the best medicine, right? One of the best medicines. It's good to laugh. It's good to have fun. Turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. As you can see from the title, it's, uh, it's okay to ask for directions. How many men in here can be honest that we don't like to ask for directions? Whether we're lost, don't know where we're going, whether we're doing something at home, we definitely don't like our wives telling us direction, right? Or, or anybody else. We, we rarely like it at work for our boss to tell us directions because we feel like we know what we're doing and don't want to be told what to do. But at times in our life, we know we've got to ask for directions. You know, I'm, I'm blessed, and we all, you all know that I've got three children, two of them grown out of the house. Hallie's grown, but in the house. And, and so and she'll move out sometime. She's just... There's one big step that's got to be made before she moves out. And it's not finishing college. It's especially if she moves out with somebody with the opposite sex. It's not moving in with somebody. It's getting married and then moving out. That's what I'm praying for. And that's what she's going to do. I know she will. Um, because she can't afford being on her own right now. So <laughs> I know she's not going to move out and be on her own. But, you know, I... Remember the times of our family vacations. We, we would go to the beach at least once a year during the summer. And whether it was pulling a camper or just going, wherever we would go, you know, had an awesome time. Stressful at times, especially me pulling a camper, them and the dogs in the truck. <sighs> yeah, I don't, that part I don't miss. The rest of it I do. Um, but there was not many times that we went somewhere that, even with the GPS going on my phone, that I missed a turn. And then Gabby would say, well, it's vacation now. Mark's got lost. Mark missed a turn. Of course, my co-pilot, my co-pilot would not be helping me out paying attention in the passenger seat. So then I would hear it after I made the wrong turn. But... So, so we miss those times. I miss those things. And what we can never get back, and we know that's time, right? Time. So, you know, we get to a point in our life because, especially guys, men, that we work and we feel like, you know, we're, we're made to provide for our families. And so we feel like we've got to work more so we can provide more, so we can have more money to do more things. Well, the only problem with that is we cancel that time out because as we work more to have money to do more, we don't have time to do more because we've worked more. Does that make sense? So we worked all this overtime so we can have money, but then we don't have time to do the things we want to do. And the next thing you know, kids are grown, graduated, 
grandchildren come. And, and then, you know, the cycle just seems to start over again. And so, you know, it, it's just, um, it's, it's blessing when they're small. It's a blessing when they leave. It's a blessing not to have to clean up after them no more. Even though I got one. She does a pretty good job cleaning. Do what? She is not. She's not home a lot at all. So, but, but you know, it, it's, and we all, we all can say that as dads. It's a blessing that, that we have children, that, and that's what makes you a dad, right? You're raising children. If not, you wouldn't just be a man. You wouldn't, I mean, you're still a man, but you couldn't say, well, I'm a dad. Of what? Well, I got dogs. No, you're not a dad of dogs. You're not a mom of dogs. I don't care what y'all pet lovers say. <laughs> so. All right. So we need to use our time wisely. We need to understand that that we'll never get those things back. And it's okay for us men to ask for directions. It's okay for us not to have the answer every time. How many work with people that have an answer for everything? That think they know everything? And I hope you're not one of those that think you know everything. And you've got to put your two cents in on everything even though you don't know anything about rocket science or how anything goes together, but yet you're going to say something about it. But you don't know. But we work with guys like that. And I've said this before, I think electricians are the worst ones out there that think that they know everything about everything. But they don't. But yet, as men, we got to try to. We think we do because we don't want to look like that we don't know what we're talking about. So we'll just throw something out there a lot of times. But, you know... And, and this, this message is not to beat dads up this morning, to beat men up. It's to encourage us to be who God called you to be. And a lot of times men, dads especially, men that had a past, will let their past keep them from being who God's fully called them to be because they, well, I can't do that because of this. I can't say that because of this. And it's like J.J. said this morning, that's all just right here. That's all in your head. That's all thoughts of the devil. We've got to bring those into captivity. So we can be who God's called us to be. And we, we don't have to be the norm of what dads is, what dads are. You know, we think of a dad a lot of times and, you know, it's, it's, well, he's just stuck in his ways. He's an old fart. He don't know what he's doing. He'll never change. He's always this. He's a jerk. He's mean. He's not loving. And that's, you know, sometimes that's what you think of dads. Because men are normally not that way. Men are normally not loving and nourishing like the mothers are. But, you know, there's, it's okay to do that. It's okay to be loving, to be nourishing, to, to embrace things in our life. It's okay for that. And, and so, you know, we've got to get past this, this testosterone stigma in our life to where we can't, we can't show emotions. We can't do those things. And, and we need to be, because we know Jesus wept, and Jesus was a man's man. Jesus, Jesus had compassion for others, so therefore we should have compassion for others as men and love others as Jesus did because that's what he's called us to do. And, and this, a lot of this is not just for men this morning, it's for women also, okay? As I've said before, discipleship, as J.J.'s been talking about and as we preached here, is not just for men. It's for women. It's for the body of Christ. And, and so, you know, it... We, we've got to do these things. We've got to act this way. And so, so we've, um, men are stubborn by, by nature, right? We're stubborn. How many times, men, even in adult life, when you see something that says, do not touch, do you want to touch? Right? 
As an electrician, there's numerous times I know I should not touch the end of that wire that's naked. Even though I know I, got, I may have the breaker off, and I'm like, ah, let me just touch it. Because I didn't have my meter with me. I just thought, well, it's stupid. I could get shocked. And, but we do it anyway. Why? Because we think we're invincible. We think we can. And, and so, you know, we, we've got to, we don't like to follow directions, I said. We want to touch. We, if something says do not enter, we want to go enter just to see what's there. We want to see what's going on. We don't want to follow those directions. But when it comes to home, a lot of times we, we want respect, right? In our homes, men, like, I'm the man of the house, I deserve respect. Well, that is true. As we do, does, we should have respect in our homes from our, from our children, from our spouses. But what do we give in return? Are we showing respect to others to where we can give respect? Because, I mean, respect's nothing that's just like, well, okay, I respect him. Why do you respect him? I don't know. I don't know. I heard this. This weekend, Daddy was saying we went to that Gridirons Men Conference. And this has stuck with me the past, since I, yesterday morning. I don't remember, Friday night or yesterday morning I heard it. But, you know, it's been in my mind all yesterday and this morning. And it said, who is the godliest man that your wife and children know? If they were to be asked, who would they say? And I was like, hmm. If it's not you, it should be. If you're not the godliest man in your wife and children's life, then you need to be the godliest man in your wife and children's life. That's another area that where men think, well, I'll let the pastor do it. I'll let somebody else do it. I'll let somebody else lead them. I feel guilty. I feel short of this in my life. Trust me. And, you know, even being the son of a pastor... My children would look and at my dad, because it's their pastor, as being a godly man. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm glad they did. I'm glad they had that example in their life. But in my home, I should have been the one that was 24-7 the godliest person that they seen at home. And not have to look at somebody else. Why? Because I'm the spiritual provider for my home. J.J. was talking about the fiery darts. And... I've seen this picture several years ago to where a dad's role in his home should be to where he's carrying that shield. And and the picture I saw was his wife and family here, and those darts are coming from Satan, and he's got the shield up here guarding them from those things of this world. And that's what we're called to do as men of God in our home is to guard us, our families from those things and to pray over them and, and, and talk to them and teach them the Word of God. It's not up just to the mothers to teach at home. The men are supposed to teach at home the Word of God and, and not just here at church. And so we've got a job to do at home that it's not just the pastor's job to lead, teach your family. It is while you're here, but at home it's your job, men. It's your job to do those things. It's your job, it's your job to pray for your, your spouse, to pray with her, to pray for your children, to pray over them, to speak God's Word over them. It's your job to do that. And you say, well, I've had this in my past, or I've done this, and they don't see me as that. Well, if you don't ever change, they won't ever see you as anything else. If you don't ever start being something else, they won't see you as that. 
If you don't start being a man of God and striving to be the, man, the godliest man that they know in their home, then you'll never be that for them because you think you couldn't. And that's all just thoughts of the devil going on in men's mind because we don't want to speak that out loud and say that because we want to be, you know, everything that, that they think we are and fun and, and just corny jokes and different things like that then godly ranks somewhere down below. Because still men are stubborn and we still want to do what we want to do. We'll get to our verse in just a minute. And, and so, we're like that. We want respect. You know, I, I hated for my children to lie to me. It was just, I would rather them punch me in the face and lie to me. To me, lying to somebody like that is a, is a sign, is showing that you have no respect for them whatsoever. No respect for their authority. No respect for who they are in your home. Nothing like that. I love my son. I do. I know I've talked about him a few times. But he could lie. And I knew he was lying when he was lying. But he could lie to the point to where he would look you in the eye, just blank face, never blink, and just tell you a blatant lie. And I knew he was lying the whole time. And I would tell him, I would rather you just punch me and let's duke it out right now than you lie to me. Why? Because I always felt like I was being disrespected because he lied to me like that. And, and so, you know, it would make me angry. I'd lose my cool at times. I didn't handle things right. You know, I laid hands on him, but not in a good way. A lot of times, in teenage years, it wasn't, it wasn't good on him. But, you know, still, I loved him. Still, I prayed for it. You know, and, and so, you know, when we get to these areas that we struggle with as dads, we need to talk to other dads. We need to talk to other men of God and say, hey, how do I handle this? What do I need to do? And maybe you can share with them or I can share with you how I didn't handle it right or how I handled something right and help you in whatever area you're going through in your life. Because we all, most of us in here, raising teenagers or have or different ones, things in our life, and there's things we come up that we don't know the answer to. But yet we won't stop and ask for direction because we want to figure it out ourselves. Just like the book, when we put something together, we'll skim through it, say, yeah, 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 and lay it down. And then we can't figure out why it don't fit together. Well, we didn't read the directions. We didn't want to stop and ask. We didn't want to stop and look. And, and so, you know, we get to these points we need to ask for directions. We need to work to be better, to do better, to get better. We can share our failures with others in, in hopes that they will not follow after us. Y'all awake this morning? All right, I got two more. I didn't tell y'all these were going to get better, okay? I didn't promise that. Why are dad jokes... Why, why excuse me. Let me start over because I messed up my punchline. Why are elevator jokes so good? Because they work on many levels. Nothing. Last one, I promise. Nobody's laughing. What do you call a boomerang that doesn't come back? A stick. <laughs> she didn't like that one. <laughs> she had a few nights this week of me reading dad jokes. She's like, are you just going to sit there and read all night? I'm like, yeah, because I'm chuckling the whole time. <laughs> She's like, they're not even funny. I'm like, that is funny. That's funny. That's why it's a dad joke, not a mom joke. All right, let's read in Matthew chapter 16, starting at verse 24. 
Then Jesus said to his disciples, Jesus just got through with um, asking his disciples, who do you say that I am? We know that Peter come up, you're the Christ of some living God. Then he tells him he's got to go away, and Peter pulls him aside and says, hey, hey, Jesus, quit talking like that. You're not going anywhere. And then Jesus says, hey, get behind me, Satan. Hey, get on this side of me. You're not going, you're not going to spoil this for me. I know what I'm here to do. I know what God's called me to do, and I'm going to do it. So it goes on in verse 24. He said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Deny himself. Men, talk to us men this morning. I said we don't want to ask for directions. We don't want to deny ourselves things in our life. We don't want to deny me. Because a lot of men are about me. Right? Whether whoever's around, whether our wife, our children, whatever's going on, I want me time. I want to go fishing. I want to go play golf. I want to do these things. I want to go off by myself. We don't worry about their feelings or what they think or how they do. Trust me, I know she can tell you I've done some of these things. I'm not excluding myself. But we all know we're like that. We're, we're, we want us time. We want us. Well, I've worked all week. I deserve this. We don't want to deny ourselves these things. Even though we'll deny ourselves church, we'll deny ourselves things together with our brethren in Christ, we'll deny ourselves all these other things to do what we want to do. And that's not in our wants. But we've got to deny ourselves. Men are not good at that. Why? Because we think of us as number one. We think of ourselves as being the, the smartest guy in the room, the best looking guy in the room, the biggest guy in the room, whatever you want to say. Men are conceited. And I used to say, I used to be called conceited. I'm like, no, I'm just confident. Confident. There's nothing wrong with confidence. But it does lead to being conceited. And, and so we don't want to deny those things in our life. I heard this the other day that, you know, when we talked last week about a generic form of Christianity, it was along those same lines where he was talking about, you know, having we want Jesus until it gets in our way. And then we want as, as one translation called Jesus Barabbas, when Barabbas was, was that, and they said, who do you want, Barabbas or Jesus? Well, we'll take Barabbas. Because we can do what we want to do with Barabbas and still feel good about ourselves. We know Jesus requires all of us. It requires us to deny ourselves. It requires us to put ourselves last to where he can be first in our life. And so we don't want to be told directions. Jesus points us in plainly in this verse. He said, I must deny myself. I must deny my wants, my needs, mine, mine, okay? My desires, my own way of thinking, my pride, my selfishness, my arrogance, my laziness, and my comfort. Because this next part, on, our, on that comfort, if we look at that, the laziness and comfort and all, all we want to do, we don't deny ourselves those things that will never get to where we take up that cross. You say, well, I thought Jesus took up the cross and he, and he bore all our sins on our cross. Yes, but we've all got a cross to bear each every day. And we all make the decision, man and woman alike, whether we're going to pick up that cross and carry it. And it's not literally that we're strapping on a cross every day and we're carrying that through this world and they see it. But what did the cross mean? What did the cross represent? The cross was never representing anything good. You say, well, why does Jesus want me to carry a cross? He wants you to know that there's suffering in this world for following Him. 
He wants you to realize it's not comfortable all the time to follow, deny yourself and follow Him as He's talking about, as, as He's told us to. There's, there's, there's suffering involved in that. There's ridicule. There's rejection involved with those things to where you can't be who you want to be just because you want to be it. You've got to be who God called you to be because He said that's who you need to be. And so we decide every day whether we're going to get up in every situation that comes along. All right, I'm going to put on this cross, and I'm going to bear these things that God's told me to bear, my wife, my children, my, my family. I'm going to put them on, and I'm going to go with God going with me. And then when the world comes against me, I know what to say and how to say and how to react and how to act in every situation. Instead of being like normal men and reacting with just, well, I'll just bust them up. I'll just knock them out. Jesus never said anything like that, did he? That's denying ourselves our flesh. Denying ourselves of what we want to do. Because men are good about doing what we want to do, and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. And we'll justify it to a point to where, hey, it's just, I, I earned it. I deserve it. I deserve this. I deserve to feel good. I deserve to look at this. I deserve this. I've been denied this in my family, in my marriage. I've been denied this so I can go look at and do whatever I want to because I need it in my life. All lies of the devil. All of them. All of, all of those lies, we're taking the cross off and laying it down so we can be comfortable. We're taking, we're taking everything off so we can have what we want. And we're not going to follow Christ. We're going to be a bystander coming by, and we're going to barely look and say, oh, there's Jesus. Yeah, there he goes. Hey, appreciate it, Jesus. Thank you for doing that for me. I appreciate you. And that's about as far as we get. And then we'll get in our vehicle and go back home and be who we want to be again because we stopped denying ourselves. And so he said, take up his cross and follow me, for he who desires to save a life will lose it, to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus is not talking about you dying. He's talking about you physically, this flesh dying every day, okay? Lose your own life. Lose your own things in your life that you want to do. Lose that and make Jesus be first and foremost in your life. Because we all know Jesus' road in this life was not simple, was it? He didn't just come, live a fancy life in a, in a mansion somewhere, and then 33 years later decided, all right, I'll go down across. No, he was ridiculed. He was, they wanted to stone him. They, then we know that he, when he died that ultimate death, it was the wrath of God poured out for all of our sins of mankind to show that, that God's put them all on Jesus for us so we can live a different life. But yet we don't, as Christians in this world, in, in America, because we don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't want to do these things that we're taught to do. So if it says, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Lose the, gain the whole world. All the riches of this world. Everything that comes along with it. Like I said earlier, work more, buy more, have more to play with. But at the end of the day, we've got more debt, more, more, more things we can't do because we're still paying that dead off. We're doing all these things to where we think we're going to have a good time in this world, but then it doesn't turn out that way. It just leads to husband and wife splitting up because of finances or because of this or that or they don't get to do this or somebody's not happy. All these things it leads to because we're trying to gain the whole world. 
Because we won't deny ourselves. We won't deny ourselves because the world tells us, do what makes you feel good. Do these things to make you feel good. It's okay. I mean, pornography is rampant in, in males today especially. And it has been for years, but it's easier and easier for pornography to run and, and just run rampant through males' lives because it gives them, they don't have to deny this, right? They don't have to deny what they see because they see it, they like it, and that's what they want to do. But there's no attachments to it. They can turn it off, on, be whoever they want to be, do whatever they want to do, and nobody has to know. God still knows. God still knows. And, and it's an area in the church and in Christian men's life, along with many other areas, trust me, that we don't want to talk about a lot of times in church, but it's true and it's real and it's evident in men's life, and they get a hold on them just like a drug, and they don't want to give those things up. I've dealt with it. I can say that I have dealt with it in my life. Okay, so I know those things and those attractions to those things and how that thing can just draw you in to where that's all you can see and that's all you, that's all you want to do. I mean, Solomon, for all his wisdom that he had, asked God for wisdom, could not get past all these women. I just read it in Ecclesiastes last week to where all these women from all these nations that he wanted. Why? Because he could fulfill a need. He could fulfill a man's need. He wasn't denying himself his fleshly desires of what he wanted. And so, you know, we all know he ended up with 700 wives and 300 concubines. We all wonder why. As men, we all know why, but we still wonder why. That's 700, at least 700 different personalities. There ain't no way. There ain't no way. Or a thousand, however you want to look at it. If all of them, I'll, I'll hush. Let's go on. All right. The cross means rejection. Satan does not want us to be the men of God that we need to be. We know that. Why? Because he puts those things in our life every day. The Satan does not. Okay, this I was thinking of this. Men, they see men are, we know men are like sight. And so they see a woman walking and they're dressed, whatever, tights and I go to the gym sometimes, and I'm not speaking about any woman that wants to wear tight clothes at the gym. Okay, whatever. I just, I feel sometimes I want to go in there in some Speedos and see if I get the same reaction. No, they'll tell me to leave. Anyway, just, I'm not going to, I promise. But, and, and so Satan did not put that woman in front of you to make her walk by. Oh, Satan's tempting me right there. No, close your eyes and look the other way, stupid. You know, you're doing that to yourself because you're continuing to look at it and letting that tempt you in your life. That's what's going on. You can blame Satan, but it's your own fault for standing there looking. And then, and then continuing to look and continuing to stare, that's on you. Satan is not using that woman to make you lust and sin against him. You, you do that on your own enough. But we get blamed for that. We, we use that as a crutch. And, and so we're moved by sight, and so things get in our way. And then as soon as they do, just like J.J. was saying, those thoughts come. Different things come in our mind, in our life. And then it leads to other areas. It leads to other things in our life. And it's not just, it's not just women, okay? It's lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. It's all those things that come into our, in and out of our life each and every day in whatever form that Satan knows that he can get men and women alike 
to keep our eyes off Jesus and denying ourselves and fulfilling our own flesh and laying that cross down and not following Him. It doesn't matter, man or woman. You're, you're alive. You have thoughts going through your mind that are contrary to the Word of God every day. And, and it doesn't matter how spiritual you try to be, those thoughts are still going to come. We, we know that David, man after God's own heart, God calls this, he's a man after my own heart. And yet David could not keep it together, could he? Why? Because he was a man. Born, born into this world full of sin. And so we know that David did not live a godly life 24-7. There was a lot of his life when he was king that was, that was questionable. And we all know about Bathsheba. We all know about that. Bathing on the roof and all that kind of stuff. And we all know what happened during that to where David let that temptation come. <clears throat> I don't believe Satan was like, he led Bathsheba up on the roof to take a bath because she knew that he was going to tempt David. No, she was up there, David saw her, and like most people, <clears throat> they, they let themselves get into an area they didn't need to be in. They let themselves get into an area in their life they didn't need to be in, whether it's lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, or pride of life, and they stayed right there, and he camped out in it. And he camped there, and then we all know what happened. He had her; they had, he brought her into the palace. They had an affair. He had her husband killed. She was pregnant. All this kind of stuff. And so, in Psalms 51, and we read this—I don't remember how many weeks ago it was—we read some of the psalm to where David wrote this psalm after this happened. And we're not going to read the whole thing, but starting in verse 10. thought I had it printed out in my notes, but I didn't. So give me just a second. Let me get over here to Psalms. Psalms 51.10. Created me a clean heart, O God. Created me a clean heart. You said, well, I thought God had already cleansed my heart. He did, but you letting stuff back in. We're letting stuff back in. So we need to be cleansed daily. God, cleanse me. Cleanse me right now. And, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. This is a psalm of repentance from David, okay? This is, David didn't come up whenever this happened. Page is stuck together. All right. Whenever this happened, say, God, I, hey, my bad. My bad, God, I'm sorry. Have you ever done that? You ever, you ever done something wrong? Well, I, I want to ask for forgiveness. I do, but I really don't feel like I can right now. Give me a little while, God, and I'll come back to you and ask for forgiveness later. Because I don't feel good enough, I can pray right now. So just, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. And then we go on. Alright? So we've all done it, okay? Whether you want to admit it or not, <coughs> we've all done it. We've all done those things. But David here, pouring his heart out before God. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. So we all remember when we first got saved. When we, when we, when we made that initial commitment to Him. Hey, be Lord of my life right now. Take everything away. What happened? What happened? We quit denying ourselves. We let things back in that shouldn't have been there. Men and women alike. We let those things back in. And then we continue to live in that sin because we get comfortable in it. And then we stop denying whatsoever. And then the next thing you know, we're just years and years living in this sin 
because we don't want to stop doing what we're doing because we like it so much. And denying ourselves is the farthest from it. And we wonder why God can't answer our prayers. We wonder why we can't, we can't seem to, to get anywhere in our life. We wonder why things don't get better between us and whoever, whoever the spouse of the, or, you know, the, the flame at the moment is or something like that. Or even if you're something in your life you're living in and you're married and been married for years and you're staying there and you're not denying yourself and you're not, not following Christ, you're wondering why your family can't get better. You're wondering why your relationship can't get better. Think about it. It all points back to you. You can blame it on whoever you want to. You can say, well, I didn't have this growing up, or, you know, I, I did this, or this happened, or this happened. Well, you know what? If you've asked God forgiveness for it, and you're still wallowing in it, that's on you, not God. If you're still doing those things, and that's on you, God's not put you there. And you say, well, I'm just like Job. No, Job got over it. Job didn't stay there for years. Let's read on. The joy of your salvation uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners to be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, and the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall shew forth your praise. If you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. This right here, 17 is where I want to get to. You desire... The sac- excuse me. The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, will you not despise. Broken. Broken. We're never going to be fixed unless we come to God broken, completely. You say, well, I'm, I'm past that point. No, you're not. You come to God and say, God, here I am. Fix me. Make me better. Make me to where I can deny everything in this world and fully concentrate on you. Come to God broken because a lot of times we don't come to Him with that heart of just, oh God, I'm just, I, I don't know what to do or where to go. It's God, help me, help me, help me. God, do this for me, do this for me, do this for me. And then we won't, 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 but never do anything to give, give, give. Well, God don't expect me to give. He expects you to give your life for Him, to Him, just as He said to follow Him. He expects that of you. Why? Because you're a child of God. He wants that from you because you are His creation. He has redeemed you. He has saved you. We should be wanting to do that for Him. But yet we don't come to Him broken enough and repentance enough to where we can say, God, take this from me. I want to be changed and different and watch Him work and move in your life. We get to that point and then we think back of where we was and then we let it stop us again. And we, we all these other excuses because we don't want to be broken. Men don't want to be broken. Men don't want to show that we're broken. But guess what, men, young men, listen, teenagers, it's okay to be broken. It's okay not to have the answer every time. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to ask for directions. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't make you less than a man. We was at the, my washing machine's kind of messed up, so we was at the laundromat, Hartzell, the other night. If you like rats, there was one in there about that long, running across the floor. It's nice. <laughs> it was great. So we was washing clothes, and uh, there was a uh, a woman in there with two children, and the guy sitting in the in the car, 
and children probably, the boy and the girl, probably 10, 11 years old, and I, I wanted to yank that boy up and uh, show him the rod of correction, but he wasn't mine. <laughs> um, but he was talking to his mom just awful, just awful. And you could tell she a little slowish maybe, wasn't all there. And she wasn't really fighting back. And he and she said, hey, come over here and help me put these clothes in dry. I ain't doing that. Put, I ain't messing with those clothes. You do it. I said, get over here and help your mama. She said, well, that man's doing it. I mean, I was getting clothes out of the dryer because Gabby wouldn't get off the folding table because of the rat that run across the floor. So I was having to <laughs> get clothes out of the dryer. But, and, and I, said, I said, it doesn't make you any less of a man because you help with clothes. It makes you more of a man because you help your mom right now with things around the house. It makes you more of a man. I said, who told you that it wasn't, you weren't going to be a man and do those things? She said, well, he hears it from his dad. I said, exactly. I said, it's a learned behavior at home. And you could tell it was. And it made me even more want to yank the dad up and not deny, not deny myself those things of what I wanted to do. And, but it wouldn't have helped the situation, none. But still... You know, it's it's one of those areas to where he's being shown a way to treat a woman, and it's wrong. He's being shown that, no, you, that, that's, that's a woman's job. She does this, she does this, and you don't do none of that. I've never, I've never seen that. I've never been taught that. I've never lived that. And, and so, but because young men are watching the older men and how they do and how they act. And if that man of the house, if you're, if you're helping around the house, if you're doing those things, then those young men are going to see it and going to help around the house and going to do those things and going to be a helpmeet to like you're supposed to be with your wife. And, and so, you know, we, we, we've got to watch how we're teaching, how we're doing, man, what we're doing, and know that, that God's going to take care of us because... We don't want to deny ourselves. We don't want to get to that point, but we've got to because God is still looking for men to fill the gap. In Ezekiel chapter 22, and God says a whole bunch of things before then. In verse 30, 22 and 30, He says, So I saw a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. There's a, I said it earlier, there's a lot of godly men in here. But there's still work for us godly men to do. There's still work for us to make, for other men to be godly men at home and fill that gap in their home and stand and be the spiritual leader at their home starting there to where they can fill that gap and build that wall in their home to where they can be the shield that, that helps fight away everything, that the attacks that Satan's bringing and trying to destroy the home as we know it. Just trying to store the family as we know it. And so we've still got to have men to stand in the gap and be who God's called us to be. Because Jesus says in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35, Jesus, he said in verse, starting in verse 35, he says, He went about all the cities and villages, teaching their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Again, Jesus, a man, was moved with compassion for somebody. And and because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. 
Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful. It's truly plentiful. But the laborers are few. The laborers are few. We look around. The laborers are still few, right? If there wasn't, then our churches would be filled today. If there wasn't, then we could overcome sin in our life each and every time it comes along. The laborers are still few. And it's not talking about me up here preaching or whoever's up here talking. It's talking about you. Because I've said this before. How many in here, just, just a show of hands, I'll put you on the spot. How many in here has made Jesus Lord of their life? You know what that's called? You know what you're called now? A disciple. That means you're in full-time ministry. That means you carry His name. When people see me out now, they oh, that's Pastor Victor Fellowship Church. That's good. When they see you out, they should see, oh, that's a child of God. I should be seen as a child of God before just a pastor. You should still be seen as a child of God, as a warrior for Christ and His kingdom to where you're advancing, advancing His kingdom just as He's told us to. You should be seen as that. So nobody can say, well, that's His job or that's their job. No, it's your job. It's your job. You are disciples, just like He's telling here. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest, send out laborers into His harvest. He wants us to go out and do. Men, you're looked at as a leader a lot of times. You should be looked at as a leader in your home. It's your job to lead. But you cannot lead unless you deny yourself. You cannot lead your family until you let yourself be led by Christ. Women, if, if you're not married and you don't have a man in your life, then and you're, you're trying to be the leader of your home right now, you cannot lead your family until you let yourself be led by Christ and deny yourself. You can't do it. That's in every area of our life. Every one of us, we cannot be lead others until like we need to unless we let ourselves be denied, our flesh denied, and let Christ lead us. And follow Him, take up that cross and follow Him. So don't let your past keep you from being who God called you to be. We've got to come to Him broken so He can fix us. Broken. Lay down the things you don't want to lay down. You know why you don't want to lay them down? Because they're your God. If you got something in your life that you like doing and that's right there in front of you more than God Himself, and he's, then that's your God. Well, I can just quit that. Well, why don't you? Because I don't want to. Exactly. You don't want to. You don't want to quit the things. You don't want to stop doing those things. Let him fix us, put it back together. Stop being stubborn and thinking we have it all figured out because we don't. We don't have it figured out. Be the men of God he desires. Be the husbands and the dad that, that, our, that our wives and our children need in our life. And remember, it's okay to ask for directions. It's all right. Nothing wrong with it. Don't make you weak because you ask for directions and ask for help. So y'all stand this morning. Say it every week. If you're here and Jesus is not Lord of your life, today is the day of salvation. Stop holding back. We don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. You don't know what's going to happen when you leave this place. But you need to know that eternity, when you leave this world, will be you in heaven with Jesus, not in hell away from Jesus for eternity. So if you're here and Jesus is not Lord of your life, today is the day of salvation. Today is. Quit putting it off so you can... Feel better so you can fix this or do this. Deny your flesh today and let Jesus be Lord of your life. Stop living in sin and letting that reign in your life supreme to where you're comfortable and don't want to change because you like what's going on. 
The altar's open. I'm here to pray. We can pray with you, for you. And let these things stay here at the foot of the cross. Pray there. But pray. Pray intently and mean what you're saying. As music plays this morning.